You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Actually, not so fast. It's Tuesday. That means it's bonus scoop time. Zolgad, executive producer Declan Goff, and Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and also Scoop Podcast fame right here on Score North. And uh, it is scoop time. Doogie, what is up and where would you like to start? Judd, you're the boss. Good afternoon, or I guess it's still good morning here on Tuesday morning, the 23rd of November. Wherever you would like to start, you and Declan are in charge. Well, we can certainly start with the Twins if you would like. Yeah, I would, and I I would like to start with um, what you are hearing regarding Byron Buxton, because I feel that this is a very fluid, quickly changing story. A week ago, great fear that he, that he was going to be traded. Uh that the Twins were not going to sign him to an extension. So as we talk now, a couple days before Thanksgiving, where do things stand with Byron Buxton? Well, and even a couple days before, the sport is about to shut down. Like, it's no longer months or weeks. It is now days. I guess maybe, you know, what, a little over a week. But next week, really, the countdown is, is days. Late next week, yep. the sport is going to shut down. The question is how long yep. will it shut down? But, yeah, it looks like the owners will lock out the players so transactions will come to a screeching halt judd it is entirely possible that the twins do trade byron buxton but i don't have that great fear that others do and trust me it would be a dumpster fire if they trade him i am all about paying that man paying that man market value heck above market value i am ready to make that man the face of the twins franchise But I am just led to believe, based on some dialogue internally, dialogue to certain employees, that there certainly are conversations being had about an extension. Now, heck, Judd, it's possible they don't offer him fair market value, that it's a BS offer, that he will get traded. There certainly is trade interest. Like, Judd, I would be shocked. I'm just connecting some logical dots, some, you know, scuttlebutt I've heard. But, like, I would be shocked if we find out in a few weeks or in a few months, whenever there's an end to this situation, if we find out that the New York Yankees have not inquired about Byron Buxton. Mm -hmm. I would be shocked if we find out eventually that the New York Mets have not inquired about Byron Buxton. Heck, I think the Miami Marlins have inquired about Byron Buxton, or at least that the Twins have had conversations with the Marlins. Within those conversations, I do think Buck's name has come up. I just think it's a situation we'll continue to monitor, Judd. I alluded to it somewhat last week. I'll hammer it home right now that I think there's some split opinions. I think that's part of the conundrum, that there are some within the Twins organization all about paying him fair market value, above fair market value, making him the face of the franchise. And there are others who 
believe that he is always going to break down that with one year of contractual control left, let's sell relatively high, that we can get a big return for him. There are enough big market teams that can use a center fielder. Let's make that trade. Let's bring in a few upper echelon prospects or even, you know, maybe a starter entering year one of arbitration or year two. That's maybe a bit overpriced, but would make sense for the twins. So, you know, until they figure out the split opinions and how to solve that. Now, I don't know where the ultimate boss stands. I guess the ultimate boss would be Jim Polad. I can tell you that Jim wants to keep Buck, but he gives Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, plenty of leeway, plenty of leash. I don't know where Derek Falvey stands. I'd like to know publicly. Heck, as recently as two weeks ago, he did an interview with MLB Network saying he wants to keep Byron Buxton. But is he telling us the full truth? You know, Journalism 101, right. why he's are not you lying he to me? Keep him. Correct. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to tell us every single detail. But, you know, I'll continue to dig on that, Judd. But I'm just telling you, like, I'm led to believe there are some split opinions. But I'm also led to believe there are conversations being had about a contract extension. Dukes, do we think really quick, Judley? Dukes with Buxton. Do you think it's more of term that he's looking? Is he looking for security and term in terms of a length of a contract, or is he? Is it more of a magic number of I will not accept any contract less than a hundred million, a hundred and fifteen million? Do you, which side do you think it really is on with Buck and, and his representatives? Well, I mean, Declan, we know going back to July that six years, eighty million, is not enough. But the Twins are comfortable, you know, with that sort of term. You know, six years seven years, you know, paying him into his mid-30s. We saw the power. I mean, the power has come along here for a couple of years. But like this past season, you know, when he was in the lineup, I mean, the power is there. Like the power should remain. We can debate about the speed. I mean, I think inevitably the speed is going to to go, you know, down to some extent. Is he going to be able to run at 31, 32 like he currently runs? Maybe not. But the power should be able to stick for the next, I would think, six to seven years. So my sense is the twins are comfortable with that sort of term. It comes down to average annual, you know, salary, right? I mean, it's the same sticking point with Jose Barrios, right? Like the twins never got to $20 million a year. And I look at the Barrios contract, the extension with the Blue Jays is more like six one twenty because he has the one year of arbitration remaining. The twins never touched that sort of annual value, you know, a per year salary. I would think that's the sticking point, much like with Barrios, that's the sticking point with Buxton. Can they hit that magic number, you know, instead of trying to, you know, incentivize the contract big time with, with, you know, grandiose incentives, like just give him that guaranteed money. Yeah, you're going to mix in some incentives. Every contract has them, right? Silver Slugger, what have you, MVP, all that. But like give him that good chunk of guaranteed money and just wrap up this darn deal. The Twins have money to spend. When you think about Barrios off the payroll, Andrelton Simmons off the payroll, Jay Happ off the payroll, Nelson Cruz off the payroll, Matt Shoemaker off the payroll, Hansel Robles off the payroll, they have financial flexibility. To me, it's time for them to spend some money. So to, to go there, and the, the, the fact that, and I think the Star Tribune had a piece this morning on the same thing, which is this team definitely has available cash. We're the one thing that we're we are 
starting to see before, as we talked about, the uh, potential and almost certain work stoppage December 1st. Starting pitchers are starting to come off the market. Uh, where do the twins stand? Because that is one place, like if this is not going to be um, a true old-fashioned tear it down and re- rebuild it, you're going to have to have some type of influx of pitching here. Where do things stand with the market now of remaining available pitchers? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm on record saying they made Andrew Henney an offer. He goes off to the Dodgers. They were not in, and I get it. It's not like they should have been, but they were not in on Jose Quintana. He went off the board to the Pirates. They were not in on Noah Syndergaard. He's off the board to the Angels. They have reached out on guys, though. Like, they've had conversations with, you know, Michael Pineda's representation. But, Judd, I was told today in preparation for this conversation that there's other teams moving a little bit faster on Pineda than the Twins. Now, that can change with one phone call, one new offer. But as of now, there are other teams showing more interest. Now, we can debate, by the way, what the heck does interest mean? Like, John Gray is a popular name among Twins fans. To me, he is a logical target, right? Like, maybe Robbie Ray isn't. Maybe Marcus Stroman isn't. Maybe he should be, but maybe he isn't. And by the way, the Twins have not reached out on Marcus Stroman, who I'd love to see in a Twins uniform. Kevin Gossman as well. He's another guy, but nothing to date in terms of of the Twins at least expressing even, you know, a minuscule of of interest. But like on John Gray, have the Twins expressed interest? Yes. But like, Judd, what does that mean until an offer is made? Like until you make an offer, like what does interest mean? Like if you send a text, does that mean the Twins are interested? Because they've sent text messages. They met with a number of agents at the GM meetings in Carlsbad earlier this month. But to me, like until you make a firm offer, uh-huh. I don't even know what the heck interest is. But I know fans are just they're craving information right now. So I can tell you they at least have registered some level of interest in John Gray. It's baseball Tinder, Dukes. They're swiping through. They're swiping right. They're stopping and looking at the John Gray picture. Got to be honest. They're looking. But you know what? No hook up there. It's no, baseball no. Tinder. That's a great comp, Judd. Now, I had one baseball executive, non-twins executive, tell me the other day, he really appreciates what the Tigers did with Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, you can look at that contract five years, about $80 million, and you yep. can say, you know what? That's an overpay. Eduardo Rodriguez, good pitcher. He's not a $16 million a year pitcher with his health history, you know, myocarditis. That it's, just, it's not worth investing about $80 million in that player. But you know what this executive told me? He really respects the Tigers for not waiting this thing out, trying to get the best team-friendly deal. He appreciates their aggressiveness. We saw it last year with the Atlanta Braves, right? We've seen it in a couple different years with the Atlanta Braves, them being uber-aggressive. Free agency starts, a guy or two that you've identified, you've been doing your homework for months on guys, guys that you identify as good fits for your franchise, go ahead and establish the market. And if it's a bit of an overpay, so be it. I think the Tigers probably did overpay Eduardo Rodriguez to some extent. But you know what? I appreciate that aggressiveness. By the way, the Twins did have a little bit of interest in Eduardo Rodriguez. I tweeted that they didn't. And what I mean by that is they did not extend him an offer. You know, unless I hear otherwise, but I checked. They did not make him an offer. 
But was brain. there some level of, of interest shown? Yes. And it goes back to the conversation from a minute ago. What exactly is interest? Hmm. I'll give uh, you another one. Steven yeah. Matz, lefty pitcher. Looks like he's coming off the board here pretty quick. Yeah, back to the Mets, maybe. There's been some sort of conversation there. But, yeah, he's not, you know, unless something changes here today, he is not coming to the Minnesota Twins. Got it, got it. Um, so, again, like what exactly, you know, how do you define interest? I told you. It's Tinder. I, so you you broke this last week, so I'm going to blame you. Why is why is Jake Cave back? What do they see in and I, I know it's a one year deal, I believe eight hundred thousand dollars, so it certainly does not break the bank. But what is the insistence on tempting Rocco to play a guy that Rocco shouldn't be tempted to play? Well, and you know, MLB trade rumors, they're pretty good on on projecting arbitration salaries. They had Cave at one point one million. So the mm. twins Good. You could argue there's a savings there, right? Getting him at one year, $800,000. I'd rather see him with the Pirates. Yeah, well, Judd, they like him. They like I him know. as a fourth outfielder. That being said, I know fans need to realize this. J.K. will still have to make the team, whatever spring training is. If it starts on time, if it's delayed, presumably there will be some semblance of, of spring training where guys will have at least a couple weeks to get ready for opening day. He will have to play well down in Fort Myers. He will have to fight to make the 26-man roster. If he makes the roster, okay, he gets his $800,000. If the Twins want to cut the cord whenever spring training occurs, if it's yep. normal time, you know, if the Twins want to cut the cord on March 24th, mm-hmm. cut the cord on Jake Cave, they will owe him some money. They will not owe him all $800,000. So to me, because I saw a lot of angst, I saw a lot of bitterness on social media, yeah, I think I, after my tweet of one year, 800,000. I think I piled on. Yeah, it was me too. Yeah. yeah. And I get it. <laughs> Take like, remove the temptation. Yeah. Like he shouldn't be eating up a roster spot. I completely understand. Correct. Let's see if he makes the team first before being really, really angry. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's scoot on Timberwolves. What now? I, I know that, that they've won four consecutive games against not great teams, but they're the wolves. So as Phil says, it's not ex- exactly like they're a juggernaut. Uh, if they win four consecutive games, in this case, it's news. Uh, what have you seen start to gel here? And second part to that question, Patrick Beverly's involvement here that goes way beyond the stats seems to, seems to be very important, including defensively. So, so what do you make as a long-suffering and covering person for this team what do you think of wh- where the Wolves currently are going into their Wednesday night game against the Heat and Jimmy Butler, which will be an interesting test? That will be an interesting test tomorrow night. Heck, if you look at the schedule until early January, find me a layup like New Orleans was last night. I think you need to go to like the first week of January. They play Oklahoma City because it looks like this weekend, Joel Embiid will be back for Philadelphia. Okay. Heck. Great, right? Like Cat Embiid. Yeah. Give me that matchup on Saturday oh, yeah. in Philadelphia. So I hope Embiid yeah. is back. But if you look at the Wolves' schedule, there is not a layup for a few weeks. That being said, they keep playing like this. Who cares? They're they are going to win games. And like you can poo-poo this four-game winning streak all you want. 
Uh-huh. But like, think about Saturday night. So John Morant's playing for Memphis. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s playing for Memphis. Okay, DeAnthony Melton, good player, out. Okay, Dylan Brooks, good player, out. But they still had enough core guys, well, including right. their two best, or at least their two most talented players. Mm-hmm. And the Wolves won that game by 43 points. So they deserve all sorts of love for that sort of performance. What I've seen change, ball movement, less hero ball. Jared Vanderbilt is playing like the McDonald's All-American he once upon a time was. You know, more often than not, I will bet on McDonald's All-Americans. Jared Vanderbilt was that. I mean, his energy is contagious. Pat Beverly, I was texting with somebody close to Bev last night as the blowout was unfolding. We were joking because Kleiman, the GM of the Memphis Grizzlies, he's pretty good. He's got a track record. Like, look at all his moves. What the heck was he doing? Moving Bev for Culver and Hernan Gomez. And yeah, they have Tyus Jones, and I mentioned Melton. And so they have some guys in the backcourt in addition to Marampa. Like, how could you turn down having Pat Beverly? But Pat Beverly has changed a lot of things here. If you want to go with the the popular sports buzzword culture, (laughs) he's had a pretty darn good impact in that regard. So Bev and Jared Vanderbilt deserve a ton of credit. D'Angelo Russell has played really well. I saw a note from NBA.com this morning, Judd. The Wolves, more so than any other team in the NBA, the first six minutes of a game are the best team, point differential-wise. Better than Miami, better than some other teams. The Wolves get off to really good starts. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell has a good amount to do with that. His defense, now the bar is so incredibly low, but his defense, it's been better than it has been since he joined the Wolves. So, D'Angelo Russell deserves some love. Whether he can sustain it, that's another conversation. But this is fun right now. It's pretty clear cut, especially after watching Philadelphia with its backups last night beat Sacramento, that you don't need to worry about the Kings. We saw the Spurs here last week. You don't need to worry about the Spurs, and we saw the Kings here last week. Okay, so you don't need to worry about the Kings and the Spurs. You don't need to worry about the Pelicans. You don't need to worry about the Rockets. And I don't think you need to worry about the Oklahoma City Thunder. That means the Wolves are one of the 10 playoff teams in the Western Conference. The conversation to be had, Judd, is, okay, let's say they are the 9 or the 10 seed. Let's say it's one and done. So they play in the play-in tournament. They play one game. They lose. How do we then view this season? Because in many ways, that's legit progress. But it would still be underwhelming, would it not, if it's just a one and done that that's the only playoff game they play in? Dukes, what do you think that this team has to be defensive rating-wise, like league ranking-wise, for them to legitimately be a playoff team? I'm seeing numbers that they have one of the best net ratings with their starting five that's currently out there right now. They look damn good. Small sample size, but regardless, looks good. I mean, when you just think about their defensive prowess now, obviously Pat Bev's one of the better defenders in the NBA. Jared Vanderbilt might be the most underappreciated player in, in defensively in the NBA right now. J-Max a good defender. Where, where is that like sweet spot that you think they have to consistently be defensive rating-wise to be a legitimate threat and a, and, a, and a lock, too, to make the NBA playoffs? Well, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, Declan. I'm, just, I'm declaring that right now. Write that down. They will be one of the 10 teams. The key for them, Declan, would be is there a way for them to climb above the Blazers or the Clippers or the Grizzlies? Can they get as high as the seven or the eight seed? Forget the nine and 10 seeds. But Declan, they are going to the playoffs. Their identity right now is that of a defensive team. 
they've harped on it so much. Bringing in Elston Turner, that is a really good hire. They've been working on it so long. They've been harping on it so long. It's coming to fruition. That is their identity. I mean, when's the last time a team scored over 100 points on them? Now, I will say, Declan, I'd have to look at the numbers. But even last night, they give up a lot of open three-point looks. So you wonder about the law of averages. If at some point, some of those open looks they are giving up go in. So that's something to keep an eye on. But they're not going in right now. And this is a defensive team. And you figure at some point with Chris Finch's offensive background, with the individual offensive talent these guys have, that they'll figure it out more and more on the offensive end. I am a little concerned. Like Anthony Edwards has, I don't want to say disappeared, but man alive. Like since that 48-point game at Golden State, where's he been? Yeah, He doesn't get to the free throw line. You know, it looks like he's disengaged at times. So there is some concern there, but I also need to remind myself, he is still only, what, 20 years old. So there's some time there for Ant. That Suns game was weird, too, because he did not have a good game scoring-wise, but it was probably the most complete box score that he's had. So, like, he is – he's contributing in ways that previously a year ago he probably did not. But let me say this. If this team is the seven seed, if they get that high, I don't get one. But if I had an NBA awards ballot, my executive – of the year might be Gerson Rosas. <laughs> Gerson Rosas. I let let's not forget here. Um, he pulled a lot of strings. Chris Finch, Beverly, Gerson Rosas. Uh, I don't know where he, he is now, but he deserves credit. He has put together a team that at least put the wheels in motion for a Wobegon franchise to actually have it looks like some success. Well, I told you, I know one place he is on the phone or his attorney is with Wolves people trying to reach a settlement. I'm looking for race. He was still under contract. Bring him back. Yeah, when he when he got fired. So he's looking for some money, so I can tell you that much. Okay. Yes, Chris Finch, solid hire. Pat Beverly trade, solid. Ant draft pick? Yeah, I'd have to, well, I mean, some people might say, you know, he still should have taken ball. Heck, I said they should have taken Wiseman, so what the heck do I know? But yeah, Anthony Wiseman Edwards bust, dude, has been, fired. yeah, very, very good. Yeah, fired. Yeah, I mean, even Jared Vanderbilt, right? You know, yeah. like having the temperature of the restricted free agency market. Yes. You know, really knowing deep down he wasn't losing Vanderbilt to an offer sheet. You know, like, sure, he deserves credit for that. Now, Ricky Rubio, you know, Cleveland loves him. So it goes back to they could have just kept Rubio. But no. moving Rubio created some some salary flexibility. I mean, you know, I guess you could boil it down if you wanted to to say, you know what? Jared Vanderbilt is back because of that flexibility created. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, heck, I'd have to go up and down the list. I mean, how about Chicago's front office doing what they've done? You know, so there's other guys that that would be in that executive of the year running. But, yeah, to your point, Gerson Rosas, if they ascend up to the seven or the eight seed, Gerson Rosas will deserve credit for that. Viking scoops. What what can you tell me about the suddenly offensive juggernaut Minnesota Vikings, as they get set, by the way, San Francisco is playing great. San Francisco, this is going to be a good game now. I I believe uh, San Fran, if I'm not mistaken here, has won three or four. The the Vikings are now five and five and have won back-to-back games. Garoppolo, and I know this is going to sound crazy, is playing great. Uh, But what can you tell me about what's going on at TCO Performance Center? 
Yeah, well, I even think there's a pathway to the playoffs if they lose on Sunday, that they can still get the nine victories, that I think nine and eight can get them in. Even with Philadelphia's really easy schedule. Have you seen Philadelphia's schedule? they have a cakewalk. Do they even need to get on an airplane? Yeah. I think they can bus to those road games. It's a really, really easy schedule the rest of the way for the Eagles. But I think nine wins can get them in. You still play the Bears twice. You get the Lions. You can beat the Steelers here. So there still is a pathway to nine victories if you lose on Sunday. If you win on Sunday, to me, it's a foregone conclusion the Vikings are going to the playoffs. How about this, Jed? We didn't talk about this pre-show, pre-taping. Have you heard of Andrew Janoko having his fingerprints more on the uh, offensive game plan in the last couple weeks? Heard about Declan, why don't you talk about what I've been saying for two weeks now? Yeah, J- Judley under the scenes here, Dukes, has just been having his own self-scouting and, uh, and and bringing this up for the past two weeks. Very, very under the radar. It has been Janoko, I think, influenced a little bit. Yeah, I was told, I was told um, the Chargers game that he was given latitude to help Clint Kubiak call plays, and things have changed. And and just quickly, but before I turn turn it back to you, Dukes, um, we have both covered this sport for a long time. Coaches and teams do not change their identities this drastically unless somebody else helps out. So, like this whole thing of Zim yesterday. Well, if Kirk if Kirk throws a pick, he does. If Kirk, you know. If he dies, he dies. Uh-uh, Mike. You don't think that way. That's a bunch of garbage. And and I don't care personally, but somebody is not getting credit who deserves it. And I've heard Janoko is the guy because Clint Kubiak didn't find God as far as I'm just going to know how to call plays now. So, yes, I have heard that. I've talked about it. And I think you're exactly right. Well, good. So we've heard the same thing without ever corresponding about it, that Andrew Janoko deserves some love, that this is not all Clint Kubiak. I mean, that to me is the number one Vikings talking point from the last couple of weeks. I mean, I don't have any sort of, you know, grandiose That's a good you know, one, injury though. update That's that great... you know, Michael Pierce is on the cusp I'm glad you know, you of, that of getting off IR here in two weeks, although the Vikings do think Pierce will be back at some point. We've talked about Anthony Barr's knee, that he's going to have to overcome some stuff the rest of the year, but he played pretty well on Sunday. But to me, it's the number one Vikings talking point, the offensive identity shifting here these last couple games. And so I think Andrew Tunoco deserves a lot of love. And I, I think to to be clear as well, I think it's important to point out that for, first of all, Mike is Mike. So he's trying to be like, well, I just said, you know, let's cut this thing loose, which is not true. Also, uh, Kirk's postgame comments on Sunday were very telling because Kirk made it extremely clear. He is not necessarily comfortable with what he's being asked to do. But Kirk is uh, the, the old, I I work here guy, so I'll do what you tell me. Kirk basically said the pass that set up the Joseph field goal to win it to Thielen along the sidelines was a dangerous pass and talked about how I'd like to not make that pass. That's because Kirk would like to not make that pass. Somebody basically said, you have to pull the trigger. So this is where, and it's not Clint. Like Clint didn't just say, you know what, let's cut her loose. So yeah, you are exactly right. Um, yeah, I mean, sing it, Judd. I mean, keep singing yeah. it. I mean, that is completely spot on. I don't foresee any drastic changes heading into the San Francisco game. I think we'll continue to see Sheldon Richardson play a lot of defensive end. I mean, he yeah. finally has a pulse. I was told that they pretty much would have given him away. At the trade deadline. I don't remember if we talked about that a few weeks ago, but did bring that Sheldon up. Richardson was there to be had, mm-hmm. and there really wasn't league-wide interest. And now, I mean, he's coming off his best game, so I think we'll continue to see him at defensive end. 
I don't foresee any changes along the offensive line. Like Garrett Bradbury is not popping back in there. Mason Cole is this team starting center right now. Um, as far as Jerry Kill, the former golfers coach, reportedly is going to now go, go from the what? He, he took over at TCU for the last few games after his buddy got fired. He is now going to be named the New Mexico State head coach. And I just have one question because you've talked to Kill a bunch and know him pretty well. Just from a health standpoint, what is he doing here, Dukes? Well, and he hasn't texted me back. I texted him two hours ago. Yeah, it's Football Scoop who's reporting this. So they're spot on, trust me. Football Scoop is really, really good. I have okay. no reason to to doubt their reporting. So, yeah, signs point to Jerry Kill becoming the new head coach at New Mexico State. Judd, I'm trying to find out. I also texted Tracy Clays. I'm waiting for Tracy to get back to me. I mean, clearly Jerry isn't doing this without his doctor's blessing, without his wife's blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'd love to find out how those conversations went. Like, how is his doctor looking at that situation and saying, yeah. okay, you have my blessing? Like, I'm fascinated by that, Judd. And, oh, by the way, September 1st, 2022, it's a Thursday. So it'll be under the lights, Huntington Bank Stadium, 2022 Gophers season opener, New Mexico State at the Gophers. If Jerry Kill is indeed New Mexico State's new head coach, he will be at Huntington Bank Stadium facing P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. Okay, it's juicy, and and I know that that, that Kill hates Fleck, and I think that Fleck hates Jerry. But just I don't from, know if Fleck hates Jerry. Oh, I really okay. don't. But just I don't from, even know. I mean, hate is a really strong okay, word. Dislikes a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. More detests. Jerry. I don't think it's as much okay. PJ. I really don't. But my my point is, I and correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe that Jerry Kill became OC at Rutgers at one point in the past cu- couple of years, and also had some health problems there. So, like, I I guess I'm more. I'm not bashing him. I'm just more concerned from a guy who I thought when, when he left the job here basically had to leave. And now if you're going to go back into coaching and it just se- it seems like I, and you're probably right. If he takes the job, the doctors have cleared him, but it just feels like we went down this path so many times and it concerns me mo- more than I find it to be a great juicy story. Well, That's I mean, think about all the opinion. stops he's had. Yep. Since leaving here, when I thought, you know what, he's got more money than he'll ever need. Yep. Just relax a little bit, spend some time with, with the grandchild, and you know, just enjoy life. Maybe do some TV or, you know, radio podcasting, something along those lines. But like he goes to Kansas State, you know, in no specific order here. I, I don't remember the order, but it was Kansas State. It was Rutgers. It's TCU. I think I'm forgetting a stop somewhere in in that, right? Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech. So Virginia Tech, Rutgers, Kansas State, TCU. Yeah. Now the the football scoop report of heading to New Mexico State. That's a lot of stops since leaving the Gophers. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I like Jerry. Like, I think it's okay. I talked to Max Williams recently about this. You know, because Max's guy is Jerry, right? Max played for Jerry. But Max loves PJ. And I said, I think we're in the same boat, Max. Like, you can love Jerry and also really love PJ, right? Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so I like both. Like Jerry's my guy, but I love the job that PJ has been doing. Although it's time, to, one. it's time to beat Wisconsin and Iowa, yeah, you know, yeah, record exactly against the Badgers right. and the Hawkeyes bugs me. And 
they could have waited on the on the contract extensions. I'm telling you, he wasn't going to USC. Yep. I don't think he's going to Gainesville either. Uh, but his name is coming up a little bit. Uh, more media driven, not not legit information driven. But uh, yeah, I I am curious to hear from Jerry. Put it that way. I am I am awaiting a text back. Now they play on Friday. They have a game against Iowa State, so he may not get back to me until next week or maybe when it's official. But I look forward to the next conversation I have with Jerry because I just I can't believe it. Tracy Clay's is looking for a job. I mean, I would imagine Tracy goes with him. I don't know that for sure, but Tracy, once a coach, always a coach. Uh, so I'd imagine that there would be some interest there in, in Tracy joining him. He'll bring one of his TCU guys with him to to call plays. But, man, alive, Judd, like I – I know. Not a lot of things, like, overly surprise me or shock me. Uh, this one's right up there. Like, I, I just – I didn't foresee Jerry being a full-time head coach again. I really didn't. All right, Dukes, thanks much. You want a couple more notes? Sure, final scoops. Dane Danger, Park Center High School, Baylor University. He is now in the transfer portal. Look for the Gophers, Ben Johnson, Dave Thorson, to express interest. He was a big-time recruit coming out of here. Now, you know, he needs to work on his body a little bit. He's improved in the classroom, but, like, if the Gophers can land Dane Danger, that's a very intriguing prospect. So I can tell you the Gophers – are legitimately interested in him. Let me see what else I wrote down. Ryan Saunders will spend some time with the Golden State Warriors. Nice. Next week, the Wolves. I'm telling you, Judd, now maybe it's just because the COVID year and it was hard to scout last year, but, like, I've never heard of the Wolves scouting so many college games. Like, one of their assistant GMs right now is in Vegas. Like, tonight, Gonzaga, UCLA. One versus two. Chet Holmgren. Yeah. The Wolves are there. The Wolves have been to all these holiday tournaments. They've been to some other games. Like, I just, I can't remember hearing the Wolves scouting this many college prospects. They do have their first round pick in June. They do have two second round picks. So it's a big draft next year. Now, heck, if some Ben Simmons trade comes to fruition and they need to give up their 2022 pick, maybe they would. But as of now, they will have their first round pick and multiple second round picks. But I'm telling you, I can't recall the Wolves ever scouting this much. Chaz Lucius back for the Gophers men's hockey team. He was out with a thumb injury. That was never reported. It was reported that he was hurt. Yeah, but I can tell well you it was a thumb injury. Yep. He is back. Sammy Walker, the captain from Edina. He is now a winger. He's no yeah. longer a center. Got moved on Saturday. And yeah, Grant Crookshank is back too this weekend. He's been out with an injury. He'll be back for Bob Motzko's team this weekend. Awesome stuff, Dukes. Thank you very much. Okay, see you boys. Bye-bye. Happy Turkey, Dukes. You too. Take it easy, boys. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone.